Let's open our Bibles, Matthew 23. Last time we, uh, we talked about the greatness of the Son and uh, that He is more than a man. Really, the, 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 whole, the whole theme of who Jesus is, that He's the Christ, the, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the answer to all of our need, that He's also the Son of David. He is fully man, Emmanuel, God with us. The, we talk about the incarnation where God came and took flesh. We see that he's Lord, he's master, he's ruler, he's the sovereign, he's the one we obey. And he's also the son of God, God the son. And so uh, Jesus asked the Pharisees who were gathered together, what do you think about the Christ? And that's the big question with the eternal consequences. What do you think about the Christ? What do you think about this Jesus? And so here in Matthew chapter 23... You know, in the ending of, of chapter 22, it said no one, verse 46, no one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. They were kind of like, you know, just silenced, really. He had already silenced the, Pharisee, the Sadducees, and then he, now he's silenced the, the Pharisees. But he has some things to say about these Pharisees in, in uh, chapter 23. Really, it's a, it's a chapter of rebuke. And uh, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but we're going to actually read the whole chapter today. That, that's pretty hard to believe. I understand that. <laughs> I, I, I did not go back and look, but I think that it is the only chapter up to date that we have done the whole chapter. You say, man, those donuts are going to go stale by the time we get through this. <laughs> no, we're going to go very quickly, though. But really, this, this rebuke of the Pharisees, because, I, I, you know... Why, why, did, why did he rebuke them? They were the religious leaders and the teachers of the day. Why did he rebuke them? And if you want to put it into one word, it was hypocrisy. And I, I kind of didn't want to go through six weeks of hypocrisy. You know what I mean? I think we can get it in one, right? Or we can understand the, the, the theme in one. No need to like beat, beat it to death, so to speak. So anyways, the, these religious leaders, they had this empty religion. In fact, they were using God for selfish reasons, and, and they really didn't have what they said they had. The, the Strong's uh, Dictionary uh, says about this word hypocrisy, we, we see it hypocrisy, hypocrites, uh, defines it like this, to act a part or to be a pretender. And the Webster's Dictionary says a feigning, I like that word, a feigning to be what one is not, to believe what one does not, the false assumption of an appearance of virtue or religion, a feigning, pretending, false assumption, appearance. So this is what Jesus is now going to speak to these uh, Pharisees about, and, and you have to say, okay, well, well, let's start right, let's just hit it right here in the beginning. Is there hypocrisy in the church? That's kind of, you hear that too, you know, people say to you, well, I, you know, I, I don't go to church, there's too many hypocrites there. You've heard that say, right? People say that. You know, it's true though. It's true. There are not one of us that are perfect. Uh, a man said back in the 1800s, he said, don't stay away from church because there are so many hypocrites. There's always room for one more. <laughs> but 
Do we just say, well, we're all hypocrites, so just, let's just be hypocrites? Is that what we're supposed to do? No. There was a story about the two men who met on the street, and one said to the other, have you heard about Harry? He embezzled the company out of half a million dollars. The other man said, that's terrible. I never did trust Harry. And the first man said, not only that, he left town and he took Tom's wife with him. The other man said, that's awful. Harry has never been that good. The first man said, not only that, he stole a car to make his getaway. The other man said, that's scandalous. I, I, always, didn't, I always did think that Harry had a bad streak in him. The first man said, not only that, they think he was drunk when he pulled out of town. The other man said, Harry's no good. But, really bother, but what really bothers me, he said, is, is who's going to teach his Sunday school class this week? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> there's another story of the man who came down from the mountains in North Carolina. He was all dressed up. He was carrying his Bible, his big Bible under his, under his arm. And a friend saw him and they said, you know, Elias, what's happening? Why are you all, why are you all dressed up? Where are you going? And he said, I've, I've been hearing about New Orleans. He says, I, I hear there's a lot of free-running liquor and a lot of gambling, a lot of real good, crazy stuff going on down there. And the friend looked him over and said, but, but Elias, why are you carrying your Bible under your arm? And Elias replied, well, if it's as good as they say it is, I might stay over till Sunday. <laughs> you laugh, but you get, you get the message, right? Through the week and then on Sunday... What about us? You know, it's not just them. It's not just these Pharisees. It's, what about us? What about you and I? Is it just a show, playing a part, feigning appearances? I think this is especially, especially pointed to pastors and teachers, I have to say. I read this quote from a guy named Richard Baxter in the 1600s. He wrote a book called The Reformed Pastor. And he said, take heed, therefore, to yourselves first, that you be that which you persuade your hearers to be, and believe that which you persuade them to believe. He said, it's a palpable error of some ministers who make such a disproportion between their teaching and their living, who study hard to preach exactly and study little or not at all to live exactly. He said, we must study as hard how to live well as how to preach well. Same for teachers. You know, we, we, stay, we get to study all together, or musicians, we get it all together, but, but, but is, is our life there? Do they, do they go together? Is it, is it, they don't equal. So Jesus, we see in this chapter, he gave a whole chapter to it. He's obviously against it. And, and, and you know, when people say that to me, you know, I, about hypocrites in the church, I say, you know what, yeah. We're, we're human and we're, we're imperfect, but you know what? Jesus didn't like it either, and he's working on us, and we see it here in chapter 23, so let's get started because we've got a long way to go. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the, teacher, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat, so everything, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. He's speaking to the crowds first and his disciples. He's going to speak directly to the Pharisees in a minute. But he says to them, you know, you, they, they're, they're kind of in the line, you know, they, they, uh, of Moses. They've, 
they're carrying on this ministry of, of the word. And, and, you know, you're supposed to listen to the word. You're supposed to obey the word. And they were presenting scripture. But he says, don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Isn't that exactly what we're talking about in hypocrisy? You say one thing and do another, but these guys were saying a lot of things. But he says, don't do what they do. Don't follow their example. So what we do and how we live, they should match what we say. What we do and how we live should match what we say. So that it's not a show. It's not, a, it's not an appearance. It's reality, you see. Somebody call, called it a, a high talk and a low walk. We're going to talk about that at the end, though. A high talk and a low walk. Look at verse 4. It says, They tie up heavy loads, and they put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. There's this legalism that they were applying to others, but they were not applying to themselves. And if, if we think that we can apply the Scripture to somebody else and not to ourselves, that's what good is that? We read the Bible, and the first thing we have to say, well, how does it affect me? What is, how should it apply to me? Not, well, that's for those people over there. That's for those sinners over there. They're the ones that need those verses, not me. And I'm going to go give it to them. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but, but really, we need to look at ourselves first. They exempted themselves. There's something about ministry, too, and I want to be careful about this. There's something about ministry and that, that you can be so familiar with, with the Scripture and so familiar with the, the things of God, so to speak, that, that, that you think that you're above it or it doesn't apply to you. You know, it, it's, it's like familiarity. You're too familiar with it. And it's a, it's a very dangerous thing. And this is what had happened. They, they got into this place where they, it was all about themselves. It wasn't about doing what God wanted them to do. It wasn't about obeying the Scripture. They exempted themselves. Well, we're higher than that. We're above that. It's a danger. It's a danger. Verse 5, everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master. You are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ." He says everything they do is for men to see. It's, it's just for show. If, you know, if, if we do something and we're, we're actually thinking about, well, I wonder you know, how that's going to look and, and how people are going to see what I do. I think we're probably kind of going off somewhere. We're, we're going off in a bad direction. Again, this is, a, this is for me just as much as it is for every one of us and maybe even more so for me as, as these were the religious leaders of the day. We already saw it way back in, uh, in the, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. He says, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You've got your reward already if you do it for that. He went on to talk about prayer, the same kind of thing. He went to talk, to talk about fasting. You don't do these things for people to see. 
You know, they would do these things for show and, and you know, to look so spiritual, to, to have this outward appearance of being so spiritual. The, these phylacteries, we talked a little bit about them uh, before, but the little, little leather boxes that, that had scripture in them, and, you know, they would put them on their forehead and also they would have on the arm as well and wrap them up and tie them with leather and all that. And, and I remember uh, if you fly to Israel at certain times on the plane, they will actually, uh, they will actually get them out and, and do all the wrapping and all this stuff if it's a certain time of the day or not. I don't know what time that is, but uh, you'd, you'd see them and they would do their prayers and do all these things on the plane. But he's saying here that they would take these phylacteries and they would make them like huge. And so you'd have, you know, like this big box on this forehead, if you can picture it. You know, the bigger the phylactery, the bigger the box. Man, that guy's really spiritual. Look at him. He's got the biggest Bible in the whole place here. Look at him. He has to like use two hands to carry the thing. He's so spiritual. It's just like, whoa. Is it really about what people see or is it something more than that? There's a, a musician called Steve Green, and uh, he said to this, he said about this, he says, accountability to me is unnatural. He says, my tendency, and he was being honest, being honest, he said, my tendency is only to let you know enough about me to give you a good impression. He says, I am a recovering hypocrite. I'm just going to let you know just enough to let you think that I'm pretty spiritual. Well, yeah, you know, I was praying about this the other day. I was on my knees the other day and thinking of you. And, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> just enough not to say, well, you know, I was only there for like five seconds because I really, you know, I wasn't feeling very spiritual and really I, and I, really, I, I wasn't committed and I wasn't disciplined enough to do anything more than, you know, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth kind of thing. But they loved, they loved the places of honor. They loved the most important seats. And they loved titles. They loved titles that would make them, you know, higher than other people. There was an us and them kind of thing. Whoa. You know, they had the big thrones. Have you seen the big thrones? We've got ours on order. We're going to have some very big thrones here. Like one on this side and one on that side and then one big giant one in the middle. And guess who gets to sit there? Not you, Val. No, 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 no. Oh, the titles, you know. You get this, the right reverend, most holy doctor, so-and-so. Whoa. Let me kiss your ring, you know. What? You know, all believers are equal under God. We are all equal under God. We're all the same. He's God and we're man. No, you know, there's no comparison. He is God and we are all just believers and we are, are you know, following Him. But the flesh, the spirit is willing. We know these things, but the flesh, you know, we, we kind of like to have a little bit of of attention, a little bit of adoration, a little bit of recognition, a little bit of all these things. We've got to be careful and watch out for those things. Not just out doing other things, but even more so, even more especially, more importantly, about spiritual things. 
You say, okay, well, I read these verses, that means I can't call my dad father anymore. Well, uh, one commentator adds this. He says, this warning clearly applies to spiritual rather than natural, professional, or academic relationships. He said, for instance, it doesn't prohibit a child calling his parents parent father nor a patient addressing his physician as, as doctor. So, you know, we, 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 uh, <clears throat> Jesus is talking about in this whole spiritual realm where we, we lift these people up. But if, if someone is your father, it's okay to call him father. I, I require all my children to call me father when they enter the house. And, you know, not really. I don't think they've ever called me father. I'm so sad about that. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, here really in the middle of this chapter, these are the verses that kind of sum it all up. This is the right way. This is the model. In verse 11, he says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is the way. This is the model. This is the pattern right here. Humility, not hypocrisy. Humility, not titles, but serving action. It's not when I get the title, then I will be so cool. No, it's about what do you, what do, you do? We don't make a big deal about titles here. You know, but it, it's, it's what you do. What, what are, are you serving in that area? Is, is it something coming out of your life, a, a form of service? Being a servant. That's the most important thing. It's not having a title. Not, it's not sitting on the big throne. It's not you know, having the big phylactery. It's not having the biggest Bible, knowing the most verses, and being able to blow people away. We, were at, we, were at, we had men's study. I was at men's study um, um, some time back, and, and this guy showed up. I'd never seen him before. I, may, I don't remember seeing him. He shows up, and he quotes a whole chapter from the Bible, and okay. And then we never see him again. Like, okay, was that just for us to see that you could quote that whole chapter of the Bible? Or are you, you, know, are you helping us? Are you serving us somehow? You, you know what I'm saying? Not that it was wrong to memorize the Bible, because obviously the more that we can memorize and understand and believe and, and study the Scripture, the better. You, you don't misunderstand me, though. But if you just want to impress me by how much you know, you know, and, and you don't have a clue about what my need, you know, where, where I'm hurting and the kind of need that I have in my life, I'm going to go eat donuts. <laughs> Jesus, we saw it back in chapter uh, 20. He said, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be, become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the example. That's the one we follow. That's the example that we follow. Not these spiritual leaders. Now we change kind of uh, gear here in verse 13. He begins now to speak directly to the Pharisees, and, and uh, it's depending on how you count it, it's really the eight woes. And this word woe, W-O-E, is sort of like W-H-O-A, meaning woe, stop, meaning watch out, meaning watch out, you know, if you continue down this path, woe unto you if, and he begins to talk about these things. 
and directly to the Pharisees. And, and uh, look at verse 13, the first one, he says there, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he says that over and over again. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says it over and over again. He says, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. They were stopping people. He says, you don't even bother to go in. But, but they were all about heaven. They were all about spiritual things, supposedly. They knew all the right words to say. They could even quote the verses in the Bible and in the Old Testament and all these things. But he says, you haven't even gone in. You haven't even gone in. And not only that, you're, you're not allowing other people to get in. The hypocrisy of what you are. I, you know, I, I, have, I know that for a fact that there are churches, there are churches even in our very state that the pastors are not even born again, that they do not even believe. It's like uh, I shared with you weeks ago about, you know, some of the people teaching at the school where Anthony, uh, our son, goes to teaching biblical studies are not even believers. They're atheists. That's what these people were. They were... They were teaching, but they, but they didn't even, they weren't even part of the kingdom. He said that you're, you're standing in the way. You'll, you're, you're stopping those who are trying to get in. So what, what do we need to do is really first go in ourselves and live the life and then help others. We can't help others if we, we don't have it. We can't give them we, something we do not have. Verse 14 Woe to you. You devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Therefore, you will be punished more severely. Now, some manuscripts don't have this, but it is backed up by the parallel passage in Luke chapter 20. And really what he's saying to them there is that they were taking advantage of people. And, and that is so wicked, especially of elderly people. And some of these, some of these uh, television evangelists and people who are, you know, they're taking advantage of people. They're devouring widows' houses. They're taking their, their money for their own so they can have the jets and the houses and the boats and the cars and everything. Inside that door. And yet look so spiritual. He says, woe to you. There's judgment that will come for that. He said, you'll be punished for that. We're going to be held accountable for what we do and what we say. Verse 15, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Wow. Jesus doesn't you know, mince any words, does he? I mean, he just tells it like it is. He wasn't trying to make friends and influence people. You know, he, was, he, he told the truth. He says, you know, zeal, zeal is good, right? But zeal without knowledge is not good. He, they, he, you know, they were very zealous. They would go and do these things. But, but what were they leading them to? Really, disciples after themselves, not after the true and living God. You know, God forbid that we would ever point people to ourselves to follow after, you know, a following for ourselves. But really, my job is to point you to Jesus, that so you'd be followers of Jesus, not me. Not that my life doesn't need to be an example, it does. 
But my life being an example would be that, that you should see that, that I'm trying to follow Jesus. And that's what you should be doing, trying to follow Jesus the very best that you can. Verse 16, he says, Woe to you, blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. You see, they, they, they kind of missed the, whole, they missed the whole point. They were concerned more, they had their eyes on the gold and on the gift rather than on the temple and the one who lives in the temple, you see. They, 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 they had all this stuff, but they were missing God. Talk about an empty religion. You can have a, a religion and no God in, in the middle of it, no, no creator in the middle of it. You have a lot of religion, a lot of stuff, look spiritual and everything else, but do you have a real relationship with God? Do you know Jesus Christ? That's why Jesus, at the end of it, you know, his discussion with uh, some folks, he says, you know, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. They missed God. Verse 23. See, I'm really moving, huh? We're already on verse 23. That is amazing. I still have a few minutes left. <laughs> Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Talk about a word picture. You know, they, they had the legalism to the nth degree. You know, they would, they would tithe off their, you know, the mint. You know, they have, you know, they have five mint leaves, and so they would take a tithe off the mint leaves. For you mathematician, that would be like half a leaf, right? And, and make sure they give that half of the leaf of the mint. But he says, you, what about justice? What about mercy? What about these more important things? You're so, you're so caught up in all these little, you know, uh, minor details. And he says, it's not that you shouldn't do them. It's, a, you know, it's okay, but, but not if you miss all the big picture, that you miss the, the more important things. You got this little gnat. You're going to strain it out. Make sure you don't swallow a gnat, but then you turn around and swallow a camel. There's that little nursery rhyme uh, song, you know, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed that fly. This is the way I say it to my grandkids. Perhaps she'll die. And it gets bigger and bigger until finally, the end, she says, there was an old lady who swallowed a horse. She's dead, of course. You, you all know that? Yeah. We can go through the whole thing if you like. <laughs> no. But you can picture it, right? 
Matthew 23, verse 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside, inside, they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. We're so worried about the outside, and this is what they were. The outside looked good, but what about the inside? The heart comes first, and really this idea of of God working from the inside out. He doesn't doesn't work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. He wants to work right, start in our hearts. Well, no, I got to get everything cleaned up. I got to learn how to dress. I got to learn how to say the right words and be, you know, say the spiritual things and all that. No, he wants to work inside of us, and and that stuff will just kind of come out of it. You know, not, the, not the, the outside stuff. You know, um, someone said to me yesterday, you know, we, we went to a couple of weddings yesterday, and I had a suit and a tie on. I was going to bring a picture and put it on the screen just to prove to you that I do have one. Some of you have seen it. But I said, you should wear that tomorrow on Sunday, this person said to me. He's not here, so I can say this. I said, and, you know, I'm not against suits and ties, but but you know what? It's not about how nice you can dress. That's right. It's what's inside that matters. You know, when, when, uh, when David was being chosen, right, to be the next king, you know, he brought all the brothers, a big family of brothers, and he brought them all in. Oh, there's this one. He's handsome. He's tall. He's, you know, debonair. I added that part. And, and you know, but, but God said, no, 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 no. That's not the one I've chosen. No, no, no. That's not the one. Oh, how about this? No, not that one. And they find, well, there's one more, but he's just like out, you know, he's kind of, he's out with the sheep. He probably doesn't smell too good. You know, he's just kind of, kind of rough and, and, uh, and God said, that's the one. He, says, he said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. That's where, that's where God sees, you see. And Jesus sees right into the, the hearts of these Pharisees. He sees right into our hearts, too. You know, he's not fooled by the outward appearance and how spiritual we look. You know, I think, I think the bottom line for, for us here is that we need just to be real. And, and I hope that's... I hope that's something that God is, is allowing us to be, is just to be real. If you're hurting, you're hurting. If you're struggling, you're struggling. Don't come in and pretend like you got it all together when you don't. Some of us can act pretty well. Some of us, we think we're acting well, but we really aren't. People can see it. As soon as you walk in, what's wrong with you? What do you mean? And, and you just kind of like wear your heart on your sleeve kind of thing, and people can know. What do you think? Which one of those are you? Which one am I? Can you tell when I'm having a bad day? I wonder. (laughs) Verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. 
In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Same kind of idea as the last one. He gives it to us twice for emphasis. Do you see why I didn't want to like, do this for seven weeks? I mean, hammer, hammer, hammer. Okay, we look like whitewashed tombs on the outside, inside full of ugliness. God, work in us from the inside out. Verse 29, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you build tombs for the prophets, decorate the graves of the righteous. You say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. We're different from our ancestors. But we're going to go and, and you know, decorate the tombs. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets Fill up, then, the measure of the sin of your forefathers. They had these decorations, these buildings, rather than repenting. Like, wow, we came from those people that killed those prophets. Rather than repentance. He says, fill up, then, the measure of the sin of your forefathers. In other words, as someone stated, finish what your ancestors started by killing him, too which is what they would do, Jesus. Verse 33, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Now, if I was, you know, like a real flamboyant kind of preacher, I could really just be screaming these words at you. And I, I, I was thinking about maybe I should try it. But <clears throat> I'm a little bit tired today. How will you escape? How will you escape? You don't have to scream these words to see the importance of them. How will you escape being condemned to hell? That's serious. He says, therefore, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. And I tell you the truth, all this will come upon this generation. You snakes, you brood of vipers. He says, without, without reality, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Without that truth in the inner parts, just going to church doesn't cut it. Just looking spiritual doesn't cut it. There's got to be truth inside of us. It's got to be Jesus Christ himself living inside of us. But the last paragraph, we see the heart of Jesus. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, he said, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The heart of Jesus, you know, he had these very, very, you know, cutting words to say to them. But, but he finishes the, 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 the words with, you know, I, my heart was always to gather you. My heart was to protect you, to love you, and to, and to bring you in, but, but you were not willing. You were not willing. One person said, here we see the, 
the depth of Jesus' feelings for lost people and for his beloved city that would soon be destroyed. So Jesus took no pleasure in denouncing the religious establishment or in prophesying the coming destruction of the city and the people that rejected him. He wasn't happy to do that. But they had made the choice. He says, you were not willing. Someone said, by their constant rejection of God's messengers, they had sealed their fate. This stubborn, stubborn refusal to receive him. And it brings forth fruit. Our choices bring forth fruit. And, and the fruit was desolation. And certainly it wasn't, it wasn't too many years down the road when the, the, the temple would be destroyed and the city of Jerusalem sacked. But interestingly enough, the last verse there, the last phrase, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. You remember they said that when he came into Jerusalem on the, uh, you know, the... Uh, the triumphal entry, they call it. But, but <clears throat> what is he talking about here? I think he's talking about when he returns. There's hope. It's, he, he leaves us on a, a note of hope that he's going to return. He's coming back for us. Yeah, maybe it didn't happen yesterday. I hope it didn't happen yesterday. <laughs> but it's going to happen like, like uh, we heard this morning. It is going to happen one day, and we need to be ready for it. We need to be about the Father's business and living for Him today because it may come at a time, as we'll see in the coming chapters, when we would least expect it, when He comes for us. So how are we going to live today? So He closes on a note of hope. Y'all, y'all heard of a guy named Billy Sunday? He was, a, a, he was a fire and brimstone preacher of the 1800s, early 1900s. And he said this, he said, hypocrites in the church, he said, yes, and then the lodge and at home. Don't hunt through the church for a hypocrite. He says, go home and look in the glass or the mirror. Hypocrites, yes. He said, see that you make the number one less. See that you make the number one less. May we be one less. I mentioned earlier, you know, that high talk and low walk. We kind of have two choices. We have two choices. We either bring our talk down to our walk. Sad to say that's what we do sometimes, right? Or we bring our walk up to the talk. That's the better choice, I think. We either live like we believe or we bring our talk down to the Lowest common denominator. That's not good. What kind of witness is that in the world? How are we going to affect the world for Christ if, if that's our attitude? We got to live for Him. We get we we believe what we to believe what we believe and live what we believe. Let's uh, close with First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. James, Peter, John, Jude, Revelation. So that's about five books from the end. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, therefore, verse 1, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, 
and slander of every kind. Rid yourself. Do something about it, he says. Like newborn babies, and this is how we, what we replace those things with, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, except offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Lord, build us back. Lord, build us. Make us that spiritual house as we go to him, as we crave that pure spiritual milk. Yeah, we're all hypocrites. We know our own hearts, but, but, but that God would work so in us that we would drop the show and we just get real and get real with God. There's no time to pretend. There's just no time for it. The cross, come to the cross. The living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious heavenly Father, we, we know that you know each one of us. You know our hearts. You know what's on the inside. You see what's on the outside too, but you know what's on the inside. And, and I pray, Lord, that each one of us, we would live for you that our lives would match up with what we say, with what we believe. God, our, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak, and so we pray, Lord, as we, we come and we just crave that, that spiritual milk and the meat and the food that you give to us that you might strengthen us to be able to live for you in this dark world. It's not easy. No one ever said it was going to be easy, but you will help us. And what you call us to do, you will, you will enable us to do as we come to you. Father, forgive us for our hypocrisy. Forgive us for our pretending. And Lord, we're just people, every one of us. We're just people before you. No first rate, no second rate, no third rate. We're just people before you, and we just want to live for you and follow you. That's all we want, Lord.